This is The Big Show on 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. It is The Big Show. PK sitting in for Jake. Austin back in the studio. And I'm here at uh, LHM Chrysler Jeep Dodge Ram. What do you make of this store, PK? It's got a lot of cars. (laughs) It does. It does. That's all you got? It's a great place to buy a car. If you're interested in a Jeep, I saw a Jeep right out there. I was going to hit you up for a loan. <laughs> yeah, those look. Those gladiators are pretty cool looking, I think. Yeah. Buy one you said your kid wants when you baby your kids way too much. You think? Uh, I could get into like 500 different reasons, <laughs> but I won't. <laughs> Who do you think is doing the baby, and me or my wife? Uh, probably both from diff- for different reasons. All right. Well, uh, and we'll have uh, David Locke coming up at 5.30. We'll also have a Utah football player joining us uh, in about uh, 10 minutes, I think, or so. But, PK, I saw an unusual story this morning. A 50-year-old soccer manager slash coach subbed himself into a game because he thought he could play better than the players who were on the pitch. So it made me think, who would you like to see in any sport, in any league, do likewise? I think Kyle could step in and play some uh, linebacker? I think he'd show people how to hit. Are there any coaches out there that are in shape enough to do that? Can you think of anybody in Well, it depends on the major leagues. In any of the sports. Why not? But like golf, (laughs) baseball, a pitcher. Who can throw for one batter or something? Hmm. You know, might be able to do that type of thing, but he wouldn't have any duration. Uh, so yeah, I think there's some that can do that. There were times when I yeah. watched the way uh, the Knicks were playing when Jeff Hornacek was coaching. I thought Jeff can shoot better than those guys. Hornacek could shoot better till his dying day. Probably. Don't yeah, we really I mean, see this anytime LeBron plays a basketball game? Like, isn't he really the coach of whatever <laughs> team he's on? No, he's not. He's the coach fire. Ah, he's the one who takes care of that. So he's not the coach whisperer; he's the coach firer. Well, we've seen guys retire, like Troy Tulowitzki, uh, shortstop for the Yankees, uh, was real good at Colorado, and then got, had some injuries at Toronto and New York. He retired to take a coaching position at the University of Texas. So I would imagine he'd be able to get in the batting cage yeah. and tell those kids, now it's assistant coaching job, but he's going to go right into coaching at the University of Texas, which is a premier baseball program. And so he's probably going to be able to take a bat and literally show them what's going on and what, what he thinks they should be doing. So, yeah, I could see that. I wonder what it would look like if you took, if you made an all-star team out of, the former players, say, who are coaching on NBA benches right now, but they had to play as they are right now, how ugly would that be? That'd be very ugly. Mo Cheeks out there. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you get older, man. You lose your stuff, and it's just the way it is. Patrick Ewing? Doesn't take, and yeah, some of them get really, really heavy. Not all of them. But Ewing is substantially bigger. Yeah. Then he was magic because he got on the weightlifting thing and all that with the workouts when he had the, the virus and all. So if you look at him as a player versus now, not that he's out of shape now, it's just that he's much bigger now than he was when he played. Hmm. I can't think of it. Austin, can you think of anybody else who might be able to do that? I think Mike Ditka could have got on there when he coached. He was a tough guy. 
We just saw, uh, and I know uh, we talked about him last hour, but Donovan Mitchell did just share a little snippet video of Greg Greg Popovich dribbling skills at the Team USA camp. I don't know if he could keep up with anybody with those old bones, but I think he's he's still got some handles. How old is Pop? I think he's like 70, 71. Uh, I really enjoy the fact that he's still willing to coach. Yeah. He, yeah. What does he gain out of coaching Team USA for crying out loud? And, and, I think and he gains a diminished the honor Team of it. USA. Not, well, it's part of the process to coach the Olympics. The players don't necessarily follow, but I think for the coaching staff, follows it through. You mentioned Jerry Sloan earlier. This is one of the things in his career that really bugged him because he was in line to be the coach of Team USA. And I can't remember who they replaced him with, but they put somebody else in. And I talked to him about it, and he said, all I want to know is what did I do wrong? Did I do something wrong? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know how that worked. Yeah, it bothered him. That I, don't, he, I don't know what selection process and how someone was coaching waiting for the Olympics. I never really paid attention to any of that, so I can't. I have no, no knowledge of that whatsoever. What do you think the interest level is in Team USA? Popovich just recently said that uh, you know they're going to play Australia, and Australia is a, quote, huge, huge threat. I saw that. Well... Uh, are you are you interested in it? Are you interested because yes. Donovan Mitchell's involved in yes. it and Joe Ingles is playing? Yes. I'm interested if it's competition. That's all I want. I can go to female, male event. If they're balling out in whatever sport it is, I'm interested. No, that's why I don't watch the NBA All-Star game. It's not really, they're not trying. Mm-hmm. And I don't blame them because they got so many games. Uh, but, yeah, the baseball classic every four years. These guys are trying. They care. You can see it in their faces that when they win, if they should win by a walk-off, they're jumping up and down and going nuts. So, yes, if this World Cup thing here, when it gets started here in a bit, if our guys are balling out, I've got no problem watching it. So you get more interest in it than you would if there were a quote-unquote dream team involved. Yeah, that was kind of boring just to watch them. I mean, it was the first one was unique because of the situation, right? It's the first time. So it's the first time whatever you're into it. But as I think it's really cool throughout the world, the level of basketball that has increased in the various countries in order to be able to provide the U.S. competition. Now, they're playing. They're sending their very best, most likely. We're not. But in my mind, I still want to see us dominate because it's our sport, and you can be really good you're playing for second place. So would you rather have the U.S. dominate, or would you rather see uh, competitive basketball? Well, I think we will see competitive basketball now. This time? Well, I think in a lot of times, because the quality of the basketball around the world has increased substantially. So now you can get an Australian team that can have several pros. You can get a Spanish team and what have you. They've got a bunch of pros, so it's not that big of a deal. That to see that, and we're not sending our very, very best, they are. So they're, they're just natural competition. Yeah, if it's a blowout by 40 points, well, no, I'm turning it off. But if it's a competitive game, men or women, doesn't matter. Doesn't matter the sport, doesn't matter the sex, the gender. If it's competitive and the participants are giving me all they have, then I'm in. That's why I'm a fan. I think there's added interest with it. I agree with what you're saying. 
Uh, there's added interest this time around because Donovan Mitchell, so many people sure. around here care about him and yeah. want to see what happens in this environment to see if there's growth, what kind of leadership he provides, what his role will be with that particular team. I don't know the answers to that. I guess we're going to find out soon enough. But without the Donovan Mitchell component to it, I, I think a lot of our listeners might just sort of, all right, whatever, it's a competition at the World Cup over in China. I don't have a problem if that's what they think, but for me, if it's a real competition, I can watch it. No problem watching it, as so long as it's real competition. The, the U.S. has been so dominant uh, since uh, they lost. They, they finished third in one year when they it wasn't organized very well, and and that's when they all the powers of be got together and said, "Okay, we're not going to have that happen." Yeah, and I think it's great. Have some order to this, but this particular year, because it's not an Olympic year. Uh, how many players turn down invitations? To this yeah, I understand that. I mean, that, that's the thing about that I've always wondered about building your team with so many foreign guys in the NBA. Because I think if you got them in a complete and total truthful moment, they would say the international stuff is bigger. And here it's reversed. Hmm. The national stuff, the NBA title is the most important thing. It supersedes no matter how many gold medals you've won. Car- Carmelo Anthony takes a ton of heat for being a ball hog, but he's won Olympic medals, but he's not won an NBA title. And it's the statues. Not that they take a ton of heat, but they didn't win an NBA title. Winning a gold medal doesn't replace it. But I think sometimes for, and I can't speak for all of them, but my perception is for the foreign guys, that is more important. You have Joe Ingles on for the Joe Ingles show every uh, every week during the season. PK, is that Joe's attitude? I can't. Have you, have you ever asked him about that? Yeah, I mean, I think they're going to tap dance around it to a little bit. Uh, I think we've we've spoken about it, and then you know they're going to say that this really matters because this is where they're making a ton of money here. Mm-hmm. And it's not to say it doesn't matter. I'm not saying that by any stretch. You look at Joe compete. And the way he's trying to get under people's skin and, and he's balling, he's giving you everything he has. But I think if you ask them, you can choose one. You're not an American. You're an Australian. And you got a bunch of Australian guys now in the league, a bunch of Australian guys playing ball. They're pretty good at it. And I think that is probably where it's at. I, but I can't speak for Joe or Bogut or whoever it might be. Uh, all those Australian dudes, uh, Baines and Exum, mm-hmm. so forth and so on. they they got to speak for themselves. And I'm sure not every single one is going to fall in line. But I think for them, that's very important. And in some cases, it might be more important. That doesn't mean they're going to shortchange you one penny when they come here to play in the NBA because they're choosing to come here so it obviously means something to them and I don't think they're coming here just to make money grabs they're coming here to see Joe repeatedly tried to make the NBA to see if he was good enough to make it and then he did and he's blown up and it's been an incredible story so playing well in this league is extremely important to him. There's a reason why he comes over here and lives in a different country thousands of miles away from home for several months of the year. It's not like it's not important, so I'm not saying that by any stretch. They give you everything they've got, but I wonder if they had to choose which one. Where I don't think an American would say, I'll take an Olympic gold medal. Do you? No, I don't think so. I think somebody did back in the day, but it sounded like an excuse. 
Oh, he did? Maybe it was Carmelo. I don't know. Oh. But I it, mean, that's a great honor to win that. I couldn't mm, imagine what it must be like. No. I'm not detracting from that at all. Speak, let me give you an answer to a question Good. before I give you the question. Even better. My answer is Donovan Mitchell. Now the question, which Who's ja- the most overrated? No. no. <laughs> Just which, kidding. Yeah, shut your mouth over there. Which, shut your mouth. <laughs> which jazz player will benefit most from the offseason moves the club made? To me, it's an easy answer. It's Donovan Mitchell because now teams can no longer load up on him. In the playoffs, you saw him going up against two and three players and he struggled at times getting the ball out, getting it where it needed to go. And when he did get it out and get it where it needed to go, mm-hmm. the guys would miss the shot. Sometimes, yeah. And now when you got Bogdanovich involved, you got Mike Conley involved, you got uh, Jeff Green involved, these guys are going to help take pressure off Donovan. So I think he's, even though his opportunities to score might be fewer, he will be more efficient and score more points than he did last year, even though he made a large leap a year ago, he's going to make a bigger one this time around, in my opinion. And he's going to. And when teams have to play defense honestly and stay with their man, that is going to open up opportunities for him to sure, get to the rack. But it does not come without consequence or repercussion. He also enters this season with the most pressure on him too, because of all the things you just said. And so he's expected now to blossom even more. And don't give me a bunch—not a bunch, but don't give me multiple three for 21s yeah we're done with those yeah and mike conley will it'll be incumbent upon him as a veteran as a smart veteran to bolster what what donovan mitchell does instead of take away from i think that's a given yeah at 31 years of age turning 32 he's not coming in here to do anything individually he, he's got all the money he could possibly spend. He did score more yeah. points last year than he ever had in the season. Yeah, their team wasn't as good, so I think, you know, he had to. But I don't think he's coming in thinking, where's mine? Yeah. I think he's coming in with one purpose, and that's to win as many games as possible. And if that requires him to shoot more, he'll shoot more. But if it doesn't, so be it. I, I just don't see where he's thinking, oh, man, I'm glad I got out of Memphis. Now I can really display my talents. No, I think he's thinking, I'm glad I got out of Memphis. Now I got a shot to win. And I got this kid over here who's way dynamic. I'm going to do everything in my power to make sure he's playing at his best level as a 23-year-old is capable of playing. What's he, a third-year veteran at 23? Mm -hmm. You know, I think that uh, a four-, five-, six-year veteran at 26, 27 is going to be better. But for now, I think that whatever – 100% 100% Mitchell is, Conley is going to take it upon himself to try to get that out, to help him, to assist him, and to do that. That's a great thing about this team transforming itself from a young team on the come to a veteran team. You're bringing in veteran guys who, they're just interested in winning now. I mean, they've been around the league. Joe Ingles, he didn't even care if he gets one shot or ten shots. He didn't care about that anymore. That's out the window. He just wants to win. And Bogdanovich, yeah, these guys, he said, I looked at the roster. This is where I want to be. I know that they can use my talents. I know we can win. Winning is also, we talked about fame earlier being intoxicating. Winning is intoxicating. There's there's nothing. Once you get your money. And they already got it. Yeah. That's why they're veterans. Mm -hmm. 
there's nothing that can replicate winning. Nothing. There's nothing in this world, and get your minds out of the gutter, that can replicate winning. Nothing. How, how would it be to be on a team that wins 25 games in a oh, year? I can only imagine. It sucks. I would imagine it's a chore to go to the arena, to go to practice, to have to do all the crap that you do. But if you're winning, you probably can't wait to get there to hang out with the guys. Because if you're winning, and DJ calls it the great deodorant, it covers up stink. And so things don't necessarily grate on you as much. But if you're not winning, everybody wants to have fun. If you can have a job in which you have fun and make good money, that's awesome. You know, we, we have it. I, I have a, an enormous amount of fun virtually every day, and I make a decent salary. So I really can't, I can't ask for more. This is awesome. And those guys, I mean, obviously, they make life-changing money, generational changing money that I'll never sniff. Uh, but they're going to make that no matter what. So you might as well win. Yeah. And winning just becomes the, the ultimate intoxication, man. I watch Magic grow up covered NBA Finals when he was doing his thing and that's that's what he cared about he, he could have had more of whatever you needed to have he could have more points more assists more this more that and none of that mattered it's just about winning that's why they won so much that's why he won so much remember when Magic signed that 25 year 25 million dollar deal everybody thought that was something special <laughs> brother yeah guys making that in a single season yeah Donovan Mitchell, we talked about him and his uh, his opportunity to to uh, to impose his play uh, to the benefit of the Jazz. I think because he has had so much pressure put on him as a as a as a rookie, and in his sophomore season, PK, I think that will accelerate uh, his ability to handle the pressure. Maybe moving so. Forward. I, I, yeah, I don't have any qualms about him handling it, but I do think it's going to be there. I'm I'm making a statement that I have never made in the 25 years that I've lived here. I am more excited for the start of the jazz season than I am college football. Even though the expectations are high up on the hill for the Utes, you think the expectations are even higher for the Jazz? I think for the Jazz that it's an opportunity to really just blossom. I think for the Utes, if I'm a Ute fan this year, I don't know how much fun I'm going to have along the way. Because if I beat SC, whoop-de-doo. That just means I'm 1-0. and zero. I got to Washington State the next week. If I lose to them, and then I got on and on, I got Cal coming in that has a, a great defense. And I got the Devils who somehow always play their best game of the year against us. It's, <laughs> undis- it's You can't figure it out. It's just unimaginable. So I got that. Then I got to go up to Washington. You got all these tests, and you can't celebrate along the way. Because you're picked to win it all. So there's no, wow, this has been a great season. This has been a lot of fun. We played a bunch of teams close, and we won some, and we lost some. But it was sure fun. Not this year. No, that's out the window, man. It's go to the Rose Bowl or disappointment. That takes away some of the fun. Yeah, but that's the nature of the fun. At the end, but not (laughs) during. 
because all it is, you'll when they get if they beat SC, that'll be rooms to celebrate. But if you beat Washington State at home, we're expected to beat Washington State, but yet you've lost to them a bunch of times. Mm-hmm. So it'll be more relief than joy. Whereas I think the Jazz, you got so many games. You know, because in football you just got the few, mm-hmm. and the Jazz and the season lasts long. Got so many games, so it'll be more fun. The journey will be fun. The journey for the Utes is going to be a chore. And if you should get there, and your team is running out of the tunnel in Pasadena, and you're there, it'll be nothing like you've ever experienced before as a fan. I speak from direct experience on this. It was the coolest thing ever in my fandom, and. It'll be the coolest thing for you. I hope you get it because I want you to experience it. And for us, selfishly, it will be awesome to be a part of it. And I want to be a part of it. But I think that along the way, it's going to be one of relief because you're just checking off little marks. You're not at the you can't really celebrate until you get to the finish line. Well, the Jazz, man, if they win 18 out of 20, you're celebrating like crazy along the way. There's uh, more forgiveness with a bad performance. Right, because you got so many games. Right, right. Yeah. Well, okay. Let me ask this question real quick. Then we'll then we'll uh, we'll get going here. But uh, PK, what is more likely? It's not fair to ask the compare to make the comparison. Which is more likely, the Utes winning the Rose Bowl or the Jazz winning an NBA title? Maybe uh, maybe it's more fair to say what's more likely: the Utes getting into the National College Football Playoff than the Jazz winning the uh, the the NBA title. Do you think which is more fair. Oh, I think that it's more fair for the Jazz because they can control it. In the college football playoff, the Pac-12 is biased against. Right. So they could lose a game and lose a game to, uh, let's see, Washington State, lose 28 to 27. Oh, the Pac-12, you're out. You know, and that seems so bogus. And somebody leeches team makes a great play at the end, like they did last year. Now that you said a bunch of a couple of losses, so you know. But if that was their only loss, somehow you're out. But if Alabama subs, there's no problem, man. It's political, yeah, yeah, yeah. Whereas in the NBA, you know, I realize some fr- franchises have advantages over others, but still, if you play your way in, nobody can take anything away from you. Just like the Utes can play their way into the Rose Bowl. To me, it's the goals the Rose Bowl. That other stuff is a beauty contest. It's gravy if you get it. But they can play themselves into the Rose Bowl. And if they do that, that is a monumental achievement. As someone who lived 15 minutes from the Rose Bowl, I can concur with what you said. That is That would be so great for the Ute fans to be able to enjoy that kind of opportunity. Uh, it would be terrific if they get it. And to see your team run out. On, on that, that on, on that, that afternoon, yep. and that when there's no other games on, mm-hmm. and when the Devils did it, when I was there in '87, it was just so awesome. Yeah. All right, coming up next, we'll have the radio voice of the Utah Jazz, David Locke, will join the big show, and at some point uh, over the next half hour, we expect to have a Ute player, and uh, we'll let you know who that is when it happens. Stay with us right here on 97.5-1280 The Zone. This is DJ and PK. Riley Jensen joining us, College Football Insider. As nice as it is to be the media darling and the homecoming queen of this media season for the University of Utah, I hope they're not reading the press clippings. I hope they're not starting to believe the hype because nobody cares about preseason All-American awards. Nobody cares about preseason picks. It's about what happens during the season. It's an over-the-top love right now. I'm just like, okay, okay, yes, I'm with you. I think Utah has a chance to be really good this year, but pump the brakes a little. 
DJ's just been going nuts all year about it, and it's just driving me crazy. You gotta pump the brakes, DJ. Pump the brakes. Pump the brakes. Pump the brakes. Catch DJ and PK mornings from 6 till 10. Presented by WCF Insurance. Reminding you to be careful out there. On 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. I was sitting, waiting, wishing you believed in superstitions Then maybe you'd see the signs The Lord knows that this world is cruel And I ain't the Lord, no, I'm just a fool And in loving somebody, don't make them love you Must I always be waiting, waiting on you Must I always be PK sitting in for Jake Scott on the big show today. I'm Gordon. He's Austin back in the studio. We're at LHM Chrysler Jeep Dodge Ram. And PK, uh, we've been all over the map today talking college football, talking pro football, talking issues, talking opinions, talking all kinds of stuff, talking amusement park breakdowns. All kinds of stuff. And uh, I want to get back to, uh, we're expecting a Utah player here coming up pretty quick. So we'll let you know when that happens and who it is. But uh, let me ask you a question about the BYU-Utah game and, and a lot of other games as well. Zach Moss, I asked DJ this question yesterday. Is he the most important Ute player every week? And will he be the most important Ute player against BYU? No. Who is the most important? I mean, they beat BYU without Zach Moss. Yeah. So I was going to say Tyler Huntley? I was going to say Huntley, but they beat BYU without <laughs> Tyler Huntley. So what, what difference? It doesn't matter. <laughs> they can trot anybody out there when I do. Not this year. Because I, I think BYU's improved. And Utah has some studs uh, coming up, young guys, uh, running backs over there too, don't they? Well, that's what we hear. How's Kyle feel about the running backs on the whole? It's fine. And they seem like they can roll out of bed and produce a 1,000-yard rusher. I mean, it just seemed like back McBride started it. It just seemed like they have an eye for picking up guys and getting them in position to run the ball. And you know, Moss is the latest in the line of a slew of really good running backs. So I have no reason to doubt that the other guys behind them are pretty good too. Because it seems like they always have pretty good guys, doesn't it? <laughs> it does. Yeah. It does. The list of uh, terrific running backs in yeah. Utah over the past couple of decades is a mile long. Right. Yeah. So I guess I would go quarterback this year. And it's not so much about in his play. It's his ability to stay healthy. Because I think Shelley was okay, the Oregon game, the BYU, but the conference title game wasn't good. The bowl game wasn't good. Mm-hmm. So in order for them to reach what they all want to reach, and we would, I would have no problem saying I would like to see them reach, uh, I think it, Huntley has to be the guy. And if he, if he stays healthy, he'll play well. I don't doubt that he'll play well, but he's been injured two years in a row, both times as a starter. So I have my doubts, unfortunately, that he could stay healthy. He's a little bigger now. You can see it in his body. His arms are bigger. He's a good kid. I like him a lot. I think uh, I've talked to him a couple times away from the game, and he's got a nice personality and all that stuff. And 
and he came here and he graduated and and uh, so I'm, I'm rooting for him as a person uh, but I don't know that I can count on him for in this case would be 13 games and I think with Zach Moss if he goes down I don't want him to see go down too because he's awesome I think they've got more capable replacements than they do at QB. Then, then you're looking at, well, if Hundley goes down, then they basically only have one scholarship quarterback. I know they got a couple other guys, but the one, the kid Lisk, wasn't, he was a walk-on. He's never really played in anything. He got in a bowl game at the end once. So then you're really one hit away from having it all disintegrate. Yeah, wouldn't that be something that rising kid was ruled in eligible? And right, he's, he can't participate this year. So that would suck big time. So I think that it's Huntley based on his health as opposed to based on his on-field play. Because I think as a senior, you'll play okay. You think he would. And Kurt mentioned this, and uh, I think it's so very important for a quarterback to be completely comfortable with the offense, to be able to read the defense, to be able to go through his progressions, get the ball on time to the right place at the right moment, and that is, hasn't always been the case with Tyler Huntley. Sometimes he's been able to do it. Kurt mentioned that it's something he needs to improve on. Sure. I, I agree with him in that regard. I wrote a column about Jordan Love earlier this week, and that's an area where Jordan has improved so much. He studied film like crazy, and he, he grasped the offense that the Aggies are trying to do up there. And that's kind of what Tyler Huntley needs to do. In order for the Utes to be as good as they can be, that has to happen, and it's yet to be seen completely consistently. I would agree with all that, yeah. I would also say that I'm confident that he'll be good. He'll be good enough to get them to the south see who they play in the final, whether, you know, um, th- three or four teams are possible, but we'll wait. You know, we got months to figure that one out. Do you uh, fall in line with the whole party line, the accepted truth that the South sucks compared to the North? Compared to the North, I think it's weaker, but I do think that there's some teams that are building. So I wouldn't say suck because they're not trash. They're building stuff. Chip Kelly's building something. Uh, I think Herm Edwards is building something. I've heard from Utah people. Utah people now told me Herm is getting talent. Now, that's only part of the game. The talent, as he's got some talent, hasn't necessarily manifested. But I've heard from Utah people who told me they're watching the type of talent that he's bringing in. That's why they just lost this week two veteran guys, grad transfers, and one of them's cornerback going to Utah State because the young guys coming in are better. Oh, and so yeah, that's so they're still very very young because he's only had two recruiting classes, right? And he is a charismatic guy, and he's hired a bunch of charismatic recruiters. The local high school, the stud high school, Chandler, where Nikhil Harry went, mm-hmm. going to Romney, Conover is going to go, T- tons of guys. Jordan Cameron played in the NFL, bunch of guys. Uh, Terrell Suggs, he hired the guy, the coach. 
Okay. Yeah. That'll do it. <laughs> yeah. And they didn't hire him for his expertise in X and O's. They hired him for his ability to go out and recruit, obviously. Yeah. Got, and Kyle said this a million times over. So those teams, I wouldn't say suck because they're building. I love the credentials that Tucker from Colorado brings. Go look up his resume. Yeah. It's a mile long. You talk about a guy who deserves a head coaching job. Mm-hmm. That man deserves it. Now, I don't know how it's going to be because that's a tough job over there. But he deserves it, and we'll see what someone's doing at at the U of A. I mean, it's only in his second year, too. PK, speaking of uh, building talent, do you do you agree with what whispers out of Provo are right now that that team down there is going to be better than some people think it's going to be? Now you've you've predicted on our podcast. I think you predicted eight wins, didn't you? I'm saying that's the goal. Okay, they should. That's a realistic goal. I haven't made a prediction yet. I'll okay. do that next week. But I think it's a realistic goal. Yes, I think this is the best team he's had. Better than the nine and four team. The problem with the nine and four team, it really wasn't his team. It was Broncos team. Mm-hmm. This is his team. He's got his guys. Guys coming back now from missions and whatnot. Being able to recruit, develop talent at Ed Ed Lamb, recruit the measurable, and I'll help the guys be what they should be. You know, you're seeing that in their positions that they're bringing in. So, with that in mind, yes, I'm expecting this team to be competitive. I would be stunned if they might be on four. But if they're not competitive in these games, I'm going to be extremely disappointed. I'm expecting way better. They've really struggled on offense the last couple of years. Uh, they may not be, you know, 52 points or whatnot, but I'm expecting them to resemble an offense. And obviously two years ago it was atrocious. Mm-hmm. And last year sometimes it's okay. Sometimes, I mean, what, six points against Northern Illinois, whatever mm-hmm. it was, 13 points against Cal. And it just looked inept. It's like if they – if they got a first down, it would be awesome. Yeah. By the way, that Tyson Williams, a lot of people are high on him. Okay. Well, we'll I hope so. We'll see how that works out. All right. We'll take a quick break, and then we'll, uh, we'll get out to Utah practice and uh, have ourselves a Utah player to talk with. Stay with us. She's got a whole lot of reasons. She can think of a single one that can justify leaving. He got none, but he thinks he got so many problems, and he got too much time to wait. Like commercials, but her dreams are picture perfect, and her dreams are so related, though they're often underestimated. It is the big show. I'm Gordon Monson, Patrick Kinahan sitting alongside, and uh, Austin's back in the studio. You mentioned something earlier in the show, PK, that uh, caught my interest a little bit. You were saying that you uh, you kind of like the idea of uh, BYU Utah playing in the first week of the season uh i agree with you completely i've said that i've written about it give us your opinion why because uh, i just think it's the best situation they they shouldn't play at the last if i'm utah i don't want to play at the last game nah uh, either i'm going to the conference thing or my conference season is over i just think it's prime for a letdown either way it's not fair if they win the conference to have to go play the next week so give it to the first game and get everybody juiced about it. You can talk about it. They can put stuff in their off-season weight workout room and whatnot, count the days, show highlights of film, highlights of BYU guys popping off. I think it's, it works best. It uh, captures their attention, like you were saying. They work hard. They prepare hard, mm-hmm. uh, as opposed to if you're going up against uh, 
North Dakota State or whatever. Uh, he has their full attention. And knowing Kyle, the way he feels about this game, uh, I, I think he'll have them completely fired Plus, I think the country ready. is starved for good quality games right off the bat. And it sort of gets lost a little bit in week, week two or three or four. Although I'm fine if they play it then. I don't really care. I just think that for getting the biggest bang for your buck, it's in your best interest to want to play it in the first game. You heard the sound earlier, Kyle Whittingham expressing that very thought that he likes having the non-conference games. I agree. Rapid fire right off the bat, and then you can turn yeah. and face uh, the pack. If I were him, that's exactly what I want. And I, and Do you I, think some coaches would want to have, like, a breather later in the season? Well, along um, the way? Nick Saban does. I mean, he always puts the Citadel there or yeah. something of the kin the week <laughs> before Auburn. Yeah. So, yeah, Herb Street has gone nuts over that. And I love Herb Street, not necessarily for his analysis, but he's a big Kenny Chesney fan. That's the reason? Mm-hmm. And as you know, I'm a wild fanatic. I know you are. I've been to three. Kenneth Ch- Arnold Chesney. I've been with you at three different Chesney concerts. How did that happen, by the way? You showed up? No, no. <laughs> How did you fall so hard for Kenny? <laughs> I did show up. I drove to one of them. Hold your carcass up uh, to Boise, Idaho to watch that. Or where were we, Nampa? Uh, yeah, just uh, just outside there. Yeah. yeah Which was a great concert, by the yeah, way. fun show. Uh, I started getting into country through Christmas music because I got tired of the sappy Christmas music. So I turned on the country station because it was a little more upbeat and started going from there. Started Kenny, basically he's a younger Jimmy Buffett. Started singing about the beach. And I just thought, man, this is fresh. I'm looking for fresh stuff. I'm tired of Sweet Home Alabama. I love my classic rock, but that's over here. I need some new material, and this has worked for me. And I have just fallen head over heels for several artists, Kenny being at the top. My greatest individual uh, entertainer or singer is Chesney. My favorite band is Old Dominion. Yeah, I like both of those, thanks to you. You dragged me into that. Yes, but. and I'm, we're going to see Old Dominion next month here at the State Fair and then down at the Hard Rock in uh, December. I hope to be able to see the Old Dominion at the Hard Rock on December 4th, get up that next morning and fly to San Jose and cover the Utes in the Pac-12 title game. That would be a great weekend. I'm planning on it. Now, you have these conversations with Kyle. I don't know anybody else in the media who has them. Have you been able to sway his musical taste? No, not at all. He's not budging off the classic rock. No, he's got like six bands. That's it. (laughs) (laughs) And he, he never gets tired of those six bands, huh? He His musical taste is fierce and loyal, but also narrow. What? Uh, who were the bands? Oh, the, I mean the classic bands: What's up the one? Stones, the Eagles, Beatles, uh, Beatles uh, Leonard Skinner, uh, Seeger. You know of his era. I don't know if I told you, but he turned sixty in uh, November. So is he? Does he still blare the uh, the classic rock at his team during practices? They haven't done that this year. No. No. Although, although we're not allowed in practice anymore, yeah, I know. so I can't. I can't. I, I can't answer that. I retract that. I don't know. So I, I, I can't answer that. 
How do you think, PK, that uh, that I think it's a classic matchup. It's one that I'm really looking forward to, to see how BYU's offensive line will do against Utah's defensive line. Sure. I think those are the two absolute strengths of both teams. What gives? Because, And I, I, would, uh, I guess I would initially think that maybe that defensive line would be more difficult to handle. But, uh, but the offensive line, man, that's a fairly gifted group down there in Provo. Well, I think that if they could find a way to just hold off those guys for a few seconds, then they're on to something. If they can't, then it's going to be a long night again. And then it's up to A-Rod and Grimes to come up with some you know, screens or what have you to, to figure out ways to move the ball. If, they, if the offensive line can't control the line of scrimmage, then they're, they're going to have to go to plan B in a hurry. Do you believe that, uh, that those guys will uh, establish uh, a ground-and-pound kind of deal? Who? Kalani, uh, the offensive line, and do you think that Kalani— Against the Utes? I don't know. He's talked about opening up the offense a little bit, being a little more explosive, uh, getting chunk yardage, finding playmakers. Uh, obviously, for any of that to happen, that offensive line has to do its work up front. Do you expect— Grimes in his second year at BYU to open the thing up a little more. Uh, I, I don't know what you're talking about by open. I don't think they're going to be a big spread offense. I talked to A-Rod the other day, and they're going to be an execution-based offense. They're just going to have to do it better. They're going to be more varied, and they're going to have more guys knowing what's going on because last year was the first year. Zach Wilson is stepping into a good situation. I think Tanner stepped into a more difficult situation because everything was new. Well, nothing is new now. You know, it's the second you go around, and most of the players are back, as you just said. So it should be easier to understand the concepts. And this is coming from A-Rod, not from myself. Andy, He's telling me this. And Zach's going to have more of a running game because I think well, that Williams kid is going to be better than anybody they had going last year. Uh, That's what the yeah, players yeah, are telling I, me. I'll have to see. I've talked to about three different players who have told me that, and who knows, maybe they're just being good teammates, and but they're, they're bragging on the guy. Yeah, I've had enough of – Pumping up, pumping up guys in training camps. Mm-hmm. I hope for their sake he is. Uh, I know they're excited to get him, but you know, well, let's see. Is, is he the best running back they have? I can't answer that. We will be. That's a great thing. You can keep me out of practice all you want, and I'm fine with that, But because we all get to make the evaluations either on a Thursday or Saturday, and we'll all see it for ourselves anyway. So we'll, we'll know. We'll know soon. And with these guys, with the schedule they have, we'll know soon enough. I know for the Utes, you think it's just win or lose, and whatever it is, it is. But do you expect this to be a defensive struggle, or do you think the offenses can get loose? If I had to bet, I would go more along the lines of defense, yeah. If I had to choose one versus the other, I would go more low scoring. Did it surprise you that the Cougars could score 27 points last year? The way they did it? Yeah. Yeah, Because I don't think they scored in the fourth quarter, right? So they did that in three quarters. Double check that. I think you're Uh, right. But yeah, absolutely. Yeah, no question. I was. And I think some of that was due to the fact that it was the last game. It's a whole other ball of circumstances now being the first game as opposed to the last game. All right. Our youth interview will happen. And uh, we'll, uh, if we have to, we'll record it and play it for you later. But, uh, PK, uh, we've had a lot of fun in, in the uh, 5 o'clock hour today. And uh, I've been impressed with your versatility here. I can go left or right easily. <laughs> yeah. Are you better to the left or to the right? I'd say one bounce to the left, pull up. 
All right, that'll wrap it up for a Wednesday big show. And, PK, thanks for sitting in. I appreciate it. You know, I had so much stinking fun. I think I'll do it tomorrow. You are going to do it tomorrow. Ooh, I'm ordered right there. I guess I have no choice. Well, I thought you were planning on doing it tomorrow as well. If you had not had fun today, would you have not well, done it tomorrow? Well, it was, it was an option. Uh, I committed to a two-year deal, but I held the option on the second day and i think i'm going to pick it up <laughs> okay well we appreciate the fact that you're going to do it again and let's uh let's plan on getting in a rip-roaring argument tomorrow you bring up the topics and i'll bury you <laughs> <laughs> no you'll change the freaking argument like you so masterfully do when you're losing then suddenly we're arguing something that, that had nothing to when do I'm with what the, when i'm what when you're losing yeah you'd have to define that <laughs> And you know who's starting to do what you do? Your wife. Jake Scott. Ah, well, you have trained him he's well. He's a good understudy. He was captain of the debate team at Skyline High School. There you go, time. man. So he's got credentials. <laughs> All right. Thanks for, uh, thanks for sitting in, PK. Appreciate it, Austin. Thanks for handling uh, all the business back at the studio. And thanks to our listeners. We appreciate that you do dial in, that you listen to the show. It would be a lot less fun if you didn't. So thanks to you as well. We'll talk with you soon.